The espionage role-playing game, top secret SI, beat Bond at his own game. Assume the role of your favorite super spy from movies, television, or books. Equip yourself with everything from a Beretta to a bazooka, a Leah to a Lamborghini, and step into the ring, the spy ring. The all-new top secret SI game, the world's first espionage role-playing game, just got better. More exciting and more dangerous, now you've got to be better than Bond at his best. The new top secret SI game comes with a 64 page administrator's guide, 96 page player's guide, and 32 page equipment inventory, and it's ideal for beginners or professional role players. You'll also want to travel back to the 1930s with Agent 13. The Agent 13 sourcebook provides all the settings and special rules for hard-boiled detectives, G-men, and ruthless gangsters. Be on the lookout for the new top secret SI game in the Agent 13 sourcebook and get into the game. Available at most toy and hobby stores. Top Secret SI and the TSR logo are trademarks owned by TSR Inc. Copyright 1987. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Aussie Rick. (laughs) (laughs) Random banter, you're my hero. (laughs) Random banter time, Aussie Rick. What random bantering do you got to share with the class from down under? When Cameron was in Egypt's land, let let my my Cameron go. (laughs) 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 Ah, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Save Ferris! Save Ferris. Oh, it's funny, too, is that, uh, yeah, you had written a thing in the uh, Patreon script with the, the Bueller Bueller part. So, yeah, yeah I'm yeah, like, nice. mm, oh, serendipity. You should use it on the last one, but uh, whatever. <laughs> oh. That's I have been catching up on reading some comic books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went through, and I for some reason or another, when I started getting back into comic books, I decided I wanted to get The Death of Logan. I, I, I came back in with Secret Wars 3, and so I got interested in Old Man Logan. And I got the old Van Logan stuff, and I decided I was going to get all of that in trade paperback. And so, now that Dead Man Logan is finished up, yeah. the trade paperback book actually came out today, and I need to get it. Got caught up on all that, and I've been reading all of them, and uh, I enjoy it. Although, I'm um, I'm almost to the end of the old Man Logan, almost getting into Dead Man Logan, and I have decided that, uh, in my head, Logan sounds like Eeyore. Really? Yeah. Okay. It just he, he he's just grumbling and his body's falling apart and everything is just gloomy. Mm-hmm. And in my head he sounds like Eeyore and it is making me <laughs> just laugh. I it just works. So uh I, I'm reading that. Um I also finished the Sorry. Oh well, Mysterio's just gonna have me murder the X Men anyway. <laughs> snicked, snicked. <laughs> Well, I was going to lose that hand anyway. <laughs> well, if they were going to have something to cut their andamantium, they might as well cut off my right hand. <laughs> it was too nice a hand to keep anyhow. <laughs> this is now canon. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've also been reading, or I also bought and uh, saw the uh, book launch at Powell's Books, Matt Fraction's November, uh, with the art by Elsa 
Chartier, and it is amazing. I can't wait for the next volume. I had to actually stop, go back some pages, read it again, go back and read the entire thing again, <laughs> and I still am lost, and I love it. It's okay. great. <laughs> it is very multi-layered. There's a lot going on there, and it's very simple, so it's I like it. And then uh, outside of reading, I've also started uh, finally catching up on Runaways. Oh, okay. The, uh, the show? The show. I have so. yet to see a zero episodes of it. Zero I, and holding, I'm as I am with of, most of my media. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the uh, the books, and so finally getting a chance to see it, and uh, I, I need to get caught up on it because I know the current season, which I don't have access to yet because I'm just seeing it on Disney, but apparently there's a uh, cameo by somebody named Julie. Yes. That's what I uh, I heard. I saw that on the old Twitchosphere. Yes. So I, I'm probably not going to see that for a little while, but mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll 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 touch base with it when I get a chance to check it out. That's my random matter. What's what's up with you, my friend? Well, I've been dealing with the sandwich generation lifestyle, so I've been doing stuff for uh, three different generations of family. So oh. for for mom, uh, took her. She spent some nights here, uh, so we care took her for a bit. She got uh, her cataract surgery done. So both eyes done at the same time. So yeah, we had her in for a couple of days and, and so, yeah, so that's good. So yeah, mom had cataract surgery and then for uh, Aurora, we've been taking her ice skating and stuff. Nice. So she's been really enjoying that and doing swim lessons and she's been having a lot of fun with that. She just graduated from two year old swim class and was really, really enjoying it at the end. So my, my suggestion to you though mm-hmm. is to make sure you don't mix those two up because it's good yeah. and badly for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. That's really true. I'm not going <laughs> to. Just don't take her, you know, ice skating on pool in the pool, and mm-hmm. don't take her swimming in the frozen pond. Yeah, I, uh, I'll tr- I'll try and keep those two things in mind. You're really tired these days, I and, am really and you're tired looking a little sleepy, yeah. and, and and you've been making mistakes. And I have been. I've been I'm just, dragging. I'm just saying, um, you're gonna do it. Yeah. yeah, and then the the holidays are here too, and everything. So it's just like, well, time to do holiday stuff, but also the family stuff, and also the family stuff, and also the family stuff. But now there's holiday things to take care of. So yeah, just yeah, lots just, and lots going on. I just try to get rid of my family, and then I don't have to worry about it. Oh, uh, so you've been taking them swimming in the ice pond, I hear. So let's moving on here. Uh, Jeff, can you give please give us the two sentence replay from last episode? <laughs> Franklin Richards doesn't want to miss out on having a sleepover with the powers, so he doesn't tell anyone in his family about the potential special dream that he had about a giant mutant hunting and killing robot named Master Mold that wants to hunt and kill Frank before he becomes one of the Twelve. Which was apparently a big storyline back in the day? Well, surprise of all surprises, Master Mold pops up to squish a pre-all-powerful Franklin, but gets his cans handed to him twice by Alex, before they call it a day and head back home to get to the really important part of the sleepover, which is finding out how many of all the foods are Franklin's, oh boy, my favorites! Now that the, we find out that Zimmy's is a dish with yams, carrots, lots of fruit, and a little bit of honey in it, two-sentence replay is over, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. And it's interesting that you mentioned something that sounds so fruity and and, and there's got a lot of like flavors in there because that's a little bit of what I brought for you to drink today. Hmm. But can you guess what it's going to be called? Um, I'm spying ahead and seeing that this issue is called Seeing the Light. Mm-hmm. So is it uh, Light Bright Beer, Rainbow Bright? Close. It's called Blazing Bright. Whoa. <laughs> By Pyramid Brewing Company. Juicy IPA. Yeah, this is Blazing Bright, a juicy IPA. It has 6.5% alcohol by volume, 50 IBU. And uh, yeah, it's uh, one here from uh, Pyramid Brewing, which is Seattle, Portland, Oregon. uh, Local brewery kind of thing. And uh, I just thought it was 
quite appropriate. No, very appropriate. What with the name and uh, the cover on it as well. It's all yellows and oranges, and it's a a big kind of star-bursting sun, and it looks just... It's a bright can. It is very vibrant-looking. It's pretty nice. Story time on it is Blazing Bright Juicy IPA. That is very juicy and very hazy. That is a a, a yellow, uh, orangish beer. Very bright. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It Um, looks like orange juice almost. It's very much like orange juice, but you cannot see through that at all. That's opaque. Yeah, this has definitely got the IPA smell. Uh, You got the hop smell that's in there. Oh, there's kind of a... But there's a very fruity smell. Yeah, there's a fruity kind of sweetness going on in that. Mm -hmm. Almost a pineapple smell. Yeah, very much pineapple. Hmm. It's definitely got the IPA hoppy hit. But then it mellows down. Yeah, it's not as and, bad as others. And you get that juicy. Uh, you get the, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of, it fills the mouth. Yes, it does. There's a lot of uh, drool factor with that one after the fact. You get the fruit hits. You get the pineapple. You get, uh, I want to say there's some citrus flavors in there. Kind of, yeah. I, I kind of want to feel a little mango, but th- there's a lot going on that's in there. Yeah, I could see a, like a, m- a mango or a papaya kind of uh, flavoring to it. Yeah. Huh. No, that's kind of tasty. I, I, and this is good. I enjoy this. Huh. Um, I'm liking it right now. I'm interested to see how I like it a little bit later on. Yeah, it almost does have a um, like a mango papaya kind of aroma to this to the nose. A little pineapple. Yeah, it, it's a lot of fruit flavors. A lot, a lot of, of fruit, fruit notes. Flavors. Let's just get right into this. We got our beers. We got our comics. Jeff, give us the opening credits, my friend. Power Pack issue number thirty-seven, June nineteen eighty-eight. Seeing the light. Credits. Writer on Sight by Luis Simonson. Penciled real tight by Sal Voluto. Inked in the Night by Stan Drake. Lettered quite right by Joe Rosen. Colored so bright by Glennis Oliver. Edited with Insight by Carl Potts. Read by a light by Two-Fisted Tom DeFalco. Backgrounds inked from a great height by Don Hudson. Featuring Power Pack. Alex Power, a.k.a. Destroyer. He disintegrates matter. Julie Power, a.k.a. Molecula. Mistress of Density. She controls her molecular density. Jack Power, a.k.a. Counterweight, increases or decreases the gravity of objects he touches. And of course, Katie Power, Starstreak, who flies fast with a rainbow trail behind her. Ah, the American playground. The field upon which our children play during the break in their school day. For some, it represents the freedom to run. For others, this is the land of make-believe and stories. But... For a few, it is yet another battlefield upon which they must battle bullies. And so, our story starts in such a landscape where blood may flow like so much spilled chocolate milk. Wow. You know, most people would just say that this is PS125 in Brooklyn, but you decided to paint a picture using a lot of darkness in a book that's called Seeing the Light. Well, that's fine. But really, the only darkness we are seeing are the sunglasses being worn by a girl named Rebecca. She is sitting against a tree wearing said glasses and minding her own beeswax. This young lady, probably around the same age as Julie, is approached by three bullies who are taking umbrage at her wearing the sunglasses. The three boys start by saying that the teacher said not to wear them. Then they move on to calling her a vampire. I'm not a vampire. There's no such thing. The boys accept this as proof of non-vampirism, so they then obviously call her a mutant. This makes sense, as a classic symptom of a migraine is probably an indicator of mutanthood. Well, as the saying goes, in the absence of a real reason, just throw everything against the wall and see if any mutants stick. 
These pre-pre-med bullies really lean into the mutant angle, surrounding her and mocking her big time. Then the lead jerk rips off her sunglasses and pushes her to the ground. He does this because, as we all know, physically assaulting a schoolgirl really ups your tough guy cred. Said no sane person ever. Yeah, what kind of an incompetent, idiotic, physical manifestation of a dumpster fire jerk do you have to be to go out of your way to attack an adolescent girl whose only crime is existing in the same world as you, huh? Uh, are we still talking about the comic or something else now? I don't even know anymore! Okay then, so, we have harassment, assault, and theft. Fantastic! I'm really not looking forward to my daughter being in middle school now. I hear you, I hear you. Poor Rebecca, laying back on the ground without her glasses. She opens her eyes and says, Not again. Zring! Meanwhile at the power apartment, home of the house-choring children. Every time I see a picture like this, I think that we're not assigning my daughter enough chores. I mean, we see Julian loading the clothes from the dryer into Jack's degrabbed arms while Alex is getting ready to take out the garbage. I mean, these kids are earning their no allowance. And they are listening to the news, which is reporting on the recently passed Mutant Registration Act, which occurred after Apocalypse's attack on the city. Part of the reporting is also about how X-Factor has recently come out as mutants, and that there has been mixed reactions. Someone on the TV lays out an argument that while some mutants helped save the city, other mutants did the damage. His feelings are that mutants should be more than registered. They should be thrown out. Alex points out that with beliefs like that, it is just a simple step before everyone with powers is forced to register. That would probably be followed by the amendment that colored and whites must be washed together and cats and dogs will coexist. You know, mass hysteria. The kids have a couple of pages of using their powers for fun while they do their chores, all while commenting on the news. This includes watching a news report that recaps the last issue where they fought Master Mold. Cause every comic is somebody's first. Their ongoing discussion about keeping all of this super secret from their parents is interrupted by the phone ringing. Ring! And the kids all act like kids as they all race to answer it. The phone! It's, it's for me. me! The guy's in my scout troop for doing a demonstration now! Bonk! Thunk! It's Jenny and Ruth about sleeping over. Skid! It's Mommy! I'll get it! Thump! Clunk! Why'd you throw clothes in my face? Why don't you watch where you're going? I ought to clobber you. I ought to clobber you. As Julie scolds Katie and Jack for making a mess and knocking over their dad's books, Alex runs over all of them to get to the phone. Because he knows it's going to be Allison. But it is not. And his shocked face causes the others to gather close. And they hear a voice on the other end say, Who I am is in importance. I know who you are. I know what you are. Let I bet it is Santa. Santa knows who you are and what you are and if you've been bad or good and what you want and... It's not Santa. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. It's not Santa. The kids do not know who it is either, but they suspect that the person is talking about their power. At that moment, their dad comes home, wanting to know who was on the phone. Uh, nobody, Dad. They hung up. So, Alex does not tell his dad about the mysterious call because, you know, secret identities and all. Plus, some mysteries are meant to be solved at a later date. I bet the kids think it's Santa. It's not Santa. Meanwhile on the Brooklyn Bridge... Home of the headlights that look like shimmering stars. If you are curious as to that description, stay tuned, true believer, because all will be made clear. 
The weather is horrible with rain pelting down out of the sky when all of a sudden there is a familiar looking light show and Rebecca appears on the iron girders of the bridge. She quickly wraps her hands around the wet steel and shuts her eyes. She is scared and has no clue where she is, but she knows that if she opens her eyes again, she will just flash around the city, unable to get home. At this moment, a cop car pulls up and two policemen try to get her down. One of them climbs up and tries to reach her hand, but she tells them that she is too scared to open her eyes in case she sees the light. Don't go towards the light! Don't do it because was she blinded by the light blinded by the light took off like a moose and then everything's all right i don't know the the words that the officer reaches up and grabs her hand thinking she is safe she opens her eyes and sees the brightly lit spire of the empire state building and whoa there pony express bring that message back over here didn't apocalypse's ship destroy that a couple of issues ago why yes rick i'm glad you asked let me solve this mystery for you that was a couple of issues ago It's fixed now, and I bet it was fixed by Santa. It wasn't fixed by Santa. So the young girl sees the spire and... Ring! She flashes onto the recently replaced spire on top of the Empire State Building. Oh, that's not good. No, no, it is not. Now she was really worried as she clutches the spire tightly in the rain. She's worried about the fact that she keeps teleporting higher and higher each time. She's worried about what might happen if she were to see the moon. If that were to happen then she would be in an issue of the Inhumans and not in an issue of Power Pack. Uh, what? The Inhumans. You know, they live on the moon. On the plus side, Rebecca and Lockjaw could hang out. So, you know, bonus. Yeah, but then she would be with the Inhumans. Hmm, I see what you mean. So how many bonus points to remove for that? I don't know. We'd have to ask Santa. It's not Santa. Meanwhile, barely 40 blocks away. Home of the happy family that is together and not missing a child who is hanging onto a spire on top of a really, 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 really tall building in a rainstorm. The powers are in a living room, not thinking about anything that Jeff just said, but they are watching a news reporter asking how awful mutants are. Yeah, the subtlety is not lost on anyone. And to compound that, Julie sees this Segway lying on the floor, so she picks it up and rides it around the living room. Basically, she sees this as an opening to ask her parents what they would think if any of their kids got superpowers. You know, like if Jack could float or Katie could fly. Her bold gambit of dropping a hypothetical on the parental unit seemed to work. The parents openly admit that they would not like it. They equate superpowers to walking around with a loaded weapon and point out that even when superpowers are used for good, well... It seems like they attract violence. Well, gorsh. Ring. Saved by the bell. You know, I never liked that show. Ignoring that, the kids all jump to the phone, hoping to intercept the call in case it is the mysterious threatener. Instead, it is just Maggie Powers' agent Mort, wondering when she will be done with her new painting. Oh, that wacky Mort. Later that night, the kids quietly wake up to have a team meeting in the boys' room. They have to stay inside because there is a torrential downpour occurring, but it does not stop Jack from opening the window and screwing around with his and Alex's signal light. Now wait a minute. Didn't they establish a couple of issues ago that the signal light didn't work and was a waste of time and resources? Why are they still working on this? Um, because they are preteen boys. Mannequin Lawyer says that that will hold up in court. Still, as the kids continue their talk about keeping their powers a secret, it's really weighing on Julie's mind. And comparing their situation to X-Factor, who recently revealed their secret identity, and Frank, whose parents are in the Fantastic Four, does not seem to be helping. This talk is interrupted with the appearance, of course, of Rebecca. Holy cow! She appears on the windowsill, being drawn there by their signal light. Ha! See? It is useful. That's nice. Now shut your face. Rebecca is quickly pulled inside by Jack. With the lights off and the kids' assurances that she is safe, the scared little girl relates her harrowing tale to all of them. She also lets them know where she is from. 
This, unfortunately, leads to the young girl making a mistake. Telling her that they are near her home, she turns around, looks outside, points to where she lives, and opens her eyes. Dring! Come on, you saw that coming, right? It was, like, pretty obvious. But wait, she's been keeping her eyes closed all this time. Why would she open them now? Because if she didn't do that, we wouldn't have a story. Fair enough. And this time, the young mutant appears on the set of a generic late-night talk show, which is apparently taping live. The studio lights were the brightest thing the kids saw, so she popped up in the middle of the show. The host of the show, possessing his own mutant power of being able to identify a profitable viewer draw from 100 meters, quickly directs the producers to put her on the couch and get them back from commercial. And faster than you can change channels, they are back on the air, interviewing the poor girl. Calling her the littlest mutant. Aww. Aww. I know, right? And I'm sure that there will be no social ramifications for this little girl who is just outed to a public that seems to be getting more and more mutant phobic and is passing laws to keep tabs on them. While there probably are some viewers who really find this exploitation a draw, we only see one couch surfer mocking the show. But since the host can't hear this Yahoo, he plows right on interrogating this poor kid on live TV. Who are you? Were you afraid? What happened? Do you have litigious parents? And if so, how litigious are they? Plus, sign this waiver. I can act as your legal guardian. Well, this guy is more ethically bankrupt than Sal Goodman. There's one guy on the crew who knows that this is a bad idea. And using the information Rachel has provided on air, he makes a call to see if he can find their parents. Meanwhile in the Power Pack apartment. Home of the, uh, still fighting siblings. Of course. The kids are quickly trying to put together a plan to find and save this teleporting Amber Alert. Julie is still flying the warning flag that hiding their powers is wrong. Her compromise is to leave a letter to their parents that states that they have superpowers, that they have to save someone, and don't worry. The other kids gather supplies like an umbrella, a map, and a pair of sunglasses. Then they all take off into the night. Wait, if they left the single light behind, isn't it going to be hard to get Rebecca to teleport up to them? Actually, it's going to be super easy, barely an inconvenience. You see, Alex charges up on some garbage, and Katie is reluctantly given the umbrella so she can see where she's flying. Once they are high up in the city, Alex shoots off a powerball, hoping to attract the young girl to them. Shocked! Nice! Shooting powerballs up into the air is tight! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the studio, the bright light of the powerball outside causes a reaction from one of the talk show guests, causing Rebecca to look around and... Zring! Rebecca appears hundreds of feet in midair before plummeting to the ground below. Katie quickly leaves her brothers floating in midair and catches the plummeting preteen before she embeds herself into the landscape. As soon as the fast flyer returns to her family, Rebecca is given some sunglasses, thankfully, and the powers start trying to find her home. As they fly, they talk to her about not being the youngest mutant. The kids are really not impressed by the TV host-given moniker, having interacted with at least three mutants younger than Rebecca. Pop quiz, Rick. Can you name them? That would be Artie and Leech and their little buddy Franklin. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. The kids narrow down the location of her home when they spy a few cop cars outside the house. What starts as a fear that the cops are there to arrest her parents soon turns into relief that the family is reunited. And it feels so good. But as the young girl turns around to think Power Pack, she discovers that they did a Batman. So they called Rebecca's mom Martha? Why did you say that name? No, what I mean is that they disappear like Batman ending a conversation with Commissioner Gordon. Oh, yeah, that makes more sense. And later, the quartet return home to find that, this time, the roulette wheel landed on whatever color would represent their parents still being asleep and not crying their eyes out for their kidnapped children. It seems that your metaphor ran away from you. Yep, like a two-year-old not wanting to take a bath. 
Well, Julie finds the note undisturbed and puts it into her costume's pocket. She feels very strongly about finally breaking their super secret to their parents, and it seems like the others might be coming around to this. But when would be the best time to break the news? How about tomorrow? Next issue, Bad Girls. But first, we are going to take a detour and review Power Pack's appearance in Strange Tales in an episode that we are calling Strange Power. We're not calling it that. In an episode that we are calling It's Santa. No, it's not Santa. It's called Disorderly Conduct. In an episode that we are calling That. Power Pack Wrapping Time. I like the hand gestures you were doing. They really sold your you. uh, your Christopher Walken-esque impersonation. Thank you. I, I, I try my best to provide extra content for our viewers. Yep. It's uh, for our Patreon Patreon tier. Yes. Our, our limited ultra golden Patreon tier, which is just me right now or whoever might be guesting with this isn't in the room. At the moment, nobody. Nobody. But nobody. me. Nobody. So we have here a uh, uh, another cover drawn by our favorites, John Bogdanov and Hilary Barta. And it's a... Uh, it's a sort of happening kind of thingy, sort of, kind of, not really. Uh, so we, we've got uh, this issue, Meet a New Mutant. And uh, it's a false advertising there because it's not a new mutant. It's, it's a, a new mutant, new, but it's not a new mutant. mutant. But it's not yeah. a new mutant. Yeah. 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 So you see uh, the Brooklyn Bridge and you see Power Pack kind of flying around the side of it. They're all looking shocked because they see Rebecca, who for some reason is not wearing shoes. Yeah. But she's falling backwards off the bridge and her parents are there going, no! I think that might actually be the the policeman that we're picking. Yeah, it's just too strange. Um, no, yeah, I think you're no, right. No, no, yeah, no, it could I, be, it, it, and it's not her parents either. It's, it's just two passerbys. Yeah. It's it's just I, there's somebody falling off a bridge and people are trying to save her. It's kind of funny because I always assumed they were parents, but now like looking back in the books, they like, look nothing no, no, like her, their parents. Her parents are drawn completely different. Yeah, it really should be her parents. That'd be better. Yeah. Power Pack never see her on the Brooklyn Bridge. She does a, is on the Brooklyn Bridge at one time. It looks like she's passing out, which. I would believe this, that she's had a rough day. Yeah, she's had a rough day. I mean, she's in the middle of a monsoon in just like you know t-shirt and jeans, yeah. and has been clinging to just structures in the rain for hours. This is this is a cool picture, but I mean, it really looks like she's like committing suicide yeah, off the bridge. Yeah. Is really what's coming down. Yeah, it to. seems like the uh, you know the concept of this is like catch you, draw you in. You're going to meet a new mutant, and she's suicidal. She doesn't yeah. want to be, so she's going to kill herself. You're like, oh no, and everybody's shocked. No, Rebecca, but, you have so much little to live for. Yeah, no, but she's, I, no. I guess the problem is, is that I mean. She is the most together person in this book. I mean, she is trying to do everything she can to stay alive. Oh, yeah. So it's like, yeah, she's she, at no point in time is there anything remotely like a, a suicidal tendency. No, so not at all. it's a bit of a misleading cover for yeah. that, but I, it looks cool. It's very it's striking. It's a good looking cover. Yeah. Inside the book, though. Here, let's sum up the issue. Hi, my name is Rebecca Littlehorn. If I look at light, I teleport. Oh, no, I looked at light and I teleported. Oh, I somehow ran across Power Pack. They track me down and save me and take me back to my parents. Yeah, except you you throw, you know, like two or three more instances of, my name's Rebecca Littlehorn. I want to go home. Uh-oh, I teleported again. Right. And she does that a bunch. So it's, it's... It's it's a very short story. Yeah, it is very short. It's got the padding in there of repeated, just repeat the same thing yeah, over and it, over again. It's so. kind, of, uh, kind of surprising coming from Louise Simonson because this is hers. And I, I'm wondering if it's... A lot of the pacing in it, it was dictated by Sal Valetto. I don't. Yeah, I'm. I don't know the reason for it. Uh, I don't know if it made too much difference. Uh, I don't. Uh, story yeah. dictated it, but there's not a huge amount of story here. No, there's there's really not. The um, the main focus on this really is there's a mysterious caller that knows their identities. We should tell our parents. Yeah. 
and then everything with Rebecca. I, so I, I like the introduction of a new mutant. I like the introduction of a new kid who's about their age. I would yeah. have liked to have seen more with her. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to have seen a little more development in here with her. This all takes place over the course of, you know, one day, mostly in the one night. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's a lot more they could have done with this character, I think. I do like the introduction of the character. And talk about a power that would be very difficult to use. It's almost Cyclops-esque that she can't control it and it's through her eyes. And, yeah. yeah. But if she's wearing sunglasses, apparently it... Well, Cyclops is yeah, wearing glasses, wear but visors, he can yeah. you know, control his powers, yeah, too. Exactly. <laughs> um, let's talk more about Sal Voluto's art, because this is um, this is somebody who's at the start of his career. This is his first mm-hmm. breakout book. He's at the start of a six-issue run on Power Pack, and this is where he really got his career started, okay. uh, is right here. And then he went on to do a lot of other things, and he was kind of well-known. I would say that, especially for a beginner in the field. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's got doing 30 pages. That's yep. a lot. They did have somebody else helping out with doing the background work. He's not as detailed and you can tell he's still trying to flesh out how to draw the, the kids. Characters, yeah. I do appreciate the fact that he doesn't draw the kids as superheroes. He yeah. still draws them as kids. Yeah, or midget adults. Yeah, yeah, midget adults would be fair. Yeah. Some of the scenes are better than others. Yeah, it's very competent drawing. Yeah. I mean, it it looks fine. Nothing super stands out of it. Yeah it's it's fine I, I, yeah. actually i think the only thing that really would stand out is some of the special effects with mm. her powers i okay. think that's a very specific kind of thing that's yeah. in there i think it's pretty good i mean we're going to be seeing his his work a lot in the next few in the next six issues or so he, uh, a thing that i have noticed though he does pose uh the characters like the you know they'll kind of be standing awkwardly with like you know arms up and everything yeah. i know there's one kind of action poses. yeah kind of a, yeah it's more action posey uh, kids very they're, they're they're in the uh a G.I. Joe action pose figure Kinda. kind of yeah yeah I think there's one scene where like Julie's changing into her out of her costume and she's like half dab in kind of thing yeah yeah so yeah there, there's definite like posing going on with the characters but the background work which was done with nice detail by Don Hudson and who seems to be another fill-in artist that mostly worked with art with Marvel so uh competent yeah totally yeah, competent not, not bad uh yeah it's not uh it's not making me go, oh, I want to get everything this artist does. Oh, no. they're amazing. It's But highly competent. Let's talk about the metaphor that they've got here. How do we judge the parents' reaction to the hypothetical of the kids having powers? The parents are, would be, cons- they're, they're, you know, they were like, to be honest, we wouldn't like it, you know, yeah. because it seems like people with powers get in fights all the time and violence kind of attracts them. And I don't think I want that for my kids. I understand the concept. It would kind of be like going, hey, what if... Uh, you know, like Carrie going, hey, what if I found a gun today at the park? Would you know, <laughs> would I freak out? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'd freak out. So I could see it kind of along those lines yeah. where it's it's a it's not a condemnation of mutants or people with powers. Sure. It's more of a it seems that violence surrounds people that sure. have superpowers. And I wouldn't want my kids to be in I wouldn't want that to happen to them. I wouldn't want anything bad to happen to my kids. I think another thing here too is that this is very much a a snapshot mm-hmm. of Oh, here's something on TV. We're going to bring this around to our thing. And you're catching your parents off guard. Oh, totally off guard, yeah. Here is my gut reaction on it. And then, of course, the kids get interrupted by the phone ringing. And then, okay, this opportunity has passed. What's in their mind? Our parents are going to be freaked out. We haven't gotten to the other side of, we'd be willing to work with you. Mm -hmm. And so, we just are left with the, the fear. Yeah. Which is understandable. And like you were saying, it was very much a caught off guards kind of question. Right. And that's not to say it's like, but mom, dad, you said that you you wouldn't want that for us. That you you know you you 
you know, that we'd, we'd cause violence. And it's like, well, I said that at the time, but mm-hmm. people can grow or change or be like, I've thought about it for a bit. Or now that I know that it is actually happening or now that I have more information or blah, 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 blah. You know, it's people can change. Yeah. So and they also have something else that they're not even thinking about of, Hey, we've had this for a long time. So the yeah. equivalence between them and Rebecca is completely different yeah. because Rebecca, I've got this power. You know, maybe she's known about it once or twice as happened before, but nothing as bad as this. Now she's forced to deal with it with her parents, and her parents are just worried. Yeah, it's, and, it's and their they daughter, just, yeah. and they want to you know help her out as best they can. Yeah, they seem like they are uh, caring, loving parents, and it's right. not like you know Rebecca at any point was like, "I can't go home. I don't want to be near my family or anything." Sure. She's just like, "I want to go home. I miss my mom. I miss right. my dad. I want to go home." That was her entire drive on this. Is like, my parents are going to be worried sick about me because they're going to think that I've been kidnapped, which mm-hmm. is a common theme in the power pack world uh, sure. <laughs> but also that she's just like i just want to go home right. i want to be with my parents and yeah when the parents saw her it was just we love you we're worried about you the police are here because somebody called and said that you know you're right they know where you are that you've gone missing and you know we just basically it was like you're our daughter we love you let us hug you right yeah and we gotta we gotta figure this out some way in the letter column, there is an announcement from the editor that they have received a copy of Powerlines, a new Power Pack fan club magazine, along with information about how to sign up. I had never noticed this before. Prior to this, doing this podcast, I'd never heard about this. I, I didn't remember this from being in the back of the book. I n- complete blind spot to me. Doing this podcast, we had one of our fans reach out to us and say that they used to be a member of this club and they had been scanning and they had been or they had been collecting and they were willing to scan and send us copies of this power lines and so they have been they haven't sent all of them to us they've edited some things out for people who you know had their names in there and you know didn't want to just give us things that you know people hadn't given permission to but we really have appreciated it and it's some interesting stuff that's in there we don't know exactly what we're going to do with this yet. Somehow I'd like to present it back out in some fashion so that people in the Power Pack community can look at some of these things. There are something like 11 or so issues of this. Mm-hmm. And it's really fascinating, especially that this came out during a time before the internet or before the computer age, you know, really, <laughs> this is the you know mid to late 80s here. And so all of this was done with the Xerox copier <laughs> and, you know, a, a typewriter and you know, maybe an Apple IIe in there as well. So it's some really interesting stuff. There's some really interesting uh, uh, fan um, fiction and some just various things that are really, really fascinating to look at, kind of a capsule in time. We really appreciate having access to this amazing artifacts, and we are going to figure out some way to share it out with all the fans um, as soon as we can figure out how to do that. <laughs> so... We'll do it the way that they did it back 30-odd years ago. Uh, Write to us, and we will send Send us a a self-addressed stamped envelope (laughs) with uh, however much it costs to print stuff, and then we'll photocopy off. I think we can come up with something better. We do have a WordPress website that we could possibly put some of this stuff on and then get sued for copyright infringement, but we'll figure Mm, that out at the time. We'll figure out something. Uh, But to that fan who sent that thank you very much yeah. and he asked to remain anonymous so we will respect that but we do appreciate that having that sent in to us now i want to break out my library card and talk about literature in this comic there's no real uh, book that was mentioned out but during an early scene where the kids are opening the dryer <clears throat> that's are- a lie there was a book that was mentioned in this what was that? yeah there really was uh the guest on the talk show oh okay <sighs> during okay 
So during this during this issue, there was no real book that was mentioned. There was a book that was mentioned by the guest, but that was not a real book. Yeah, that book Besides, was Heavenly Hollywood. Yeah, I looked that up and I went to some sites that I don't ever want to go to again. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, while the kids are doing their chores, Julie shrinks down in order to get a red sock from the back of the dryer that Katie was trying to get. And while Katie's trying to get back from her older sister, Julie told her to say the magic word. Katie says, Abracadabra? Open sesame? Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. So I decided to look at the classic story of 1001 Nights to find out about open sesame. And I'm going to say right now that there was no big allusion to this in the story at all. I just want to really look into the infamous phrase, Open Sesame, and see where it came from. So 1001 Nights is a collection of Middle Eastern folk tales, often known as Arabian Nights. This work was collected over many centuries and was a collection of stories taken from many cultures, and it changed over time as they were retold and actually written down. Most of the common theme is the framing structure of a ruler who believes all women are unfaithful. He begins to marry women, executing them the following morning so they cannot dishonor him. Gross. The vizier's daughter requests to marry the ruler, and she begins telling him a story, but does not end it. The ruler, curious about how the story ends, is forced to delay her execution. Thus, the 1001 Nights. The tales vary within this structure, using many different formats, including poetry, song, crime, fantasy, and these stories all have influenced many different cultures in return. I want to talk about Open Sesame. Now, for me, I always thought that this was a misunderstanding, you know, a joke. The actual phrase being, open sesame. Not open sesame, as in sesame seed bun. But it actually is the grain. In the story, Alibaba hears one of the thieves trying to remember the phrase, and they confuse it with other grains. Now, being a story that has been passed down through centuries, it has never been proven what the etymology of the word is, but there are speculations that it could be a simile to a Hebrew word or a nod to a Babylonian magic practice that uses sesame oil. So I thought that was very interesting, and it was nice to be corrected myself by doing my own research. Now, I'm going to look over into the corner of the room, and I'm going to wave my hands, and I'm going to look at the science corner and say, Open sesame! It's science nights and science days. We'll talk about things that are technically correct. <laughs> That's how we'll play. Bravo. Off the cuff. In this issue, we had a near miraculous return of the Empire State Building Spire. I say miraculous because a few issues ago, it was knocked off the Empire State Building by Apocalypse's giant ship and it eventually found its way to the ground far, far below, where it crushed and killed the Horseman Pestilence. This got me thinking. I really don't know anything about this spire. So, in the oft-repeated words of my two-year-old daughter, what's that about? The Empire State Building was constructed during a race to create the world's tallest building. To make it bigger than the comparably sized Chrysler Building being built at the same time, a 16-story, 200-foot metal crown and an additional 222-foot pinnacle was added to the design. The pinnacle of the Empire State Building is covered by a series of broadcast antennas used by radio and television networks. Attached to the top of these antennas is a lightning rod, used to prevent damage to the other parts of the building should lightning strike. By far, the most unusual aspect of the Empire State Building's design concerned its 200-foot tower. 
Convinced that transatlantic airship travel was the wave of the future, the building's owners originally constructed the mast as a docking port for lighter-than-air dirigibles. The harebrained scheme called for the airships to maneuver alongside the building and then tether themselves to a winching apparatus. Passengers would then exit via an open-air gangplank, check in at a customs office, and make their way to the streets of Manhattan in a mere seven minutes. Despite early enthusiasm for the project, the high winds near the building's rooftop proved to be all but impossible for pilots to negotiate. The closest thing to a landing came in September 1931, when a small dirigible tethered itself to the spire for a few minutes. Two weeks later, a Goodyear blimp dropped a stack of newspapers onto the roof as part of a publicity stunt, but the airship plan was abandoned shortly thereafter. That's this week's Science Corner, and I hope you enjoyed learning about a failed mooring for flying dirigibles, but a successful device for getting rid of unwanted flying horsemen. You know, I think you're just really full of hot air. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm a funny man. You make the words with the laughings. I do. I do. I put... I take the pretty pictures you have and I mock, mock, mock. Yeah. Whereas you just want to take those pretty pictures and put, put, put them on your refrigerator. I really do. Segway man. Okay. <laughs> Does whatever a Segway can. Power thoughts. Refrigerator gallery. What piece of art in the book needs to be on this family's refrigerator? Jeff, why don't you listen to me talk about what my fanny backup is? Okay. <laughs> Page 30. Strike a pose, Julie. <laughs> yeah, I might have mentioned this earlier. Yeah, I think you did. I think that's the exact one you said. It, her, she's doing costumes off, and she's like, "Look at me." Yep, <laughs> all rearing back, <laughs> arm cocked up. Yeah, she's very dramatic about her costumes off. <laughs> she really is. Yeah, she's very dramatic about it. What do you have for a backup one? My joke backup one is on page twenty-seven, and I call it "Bully the Blind Girl." This is the uh, top right corner uh, panel, and it is uh, just after they had gotten uh, Rebecca to teleport to them and fall out of the air, and Uh they caught her. Jack's holding her and degrabbing her, and a uh, smiley, flying Katie is uh, putting some sunglasses on her face. But it really looks like Katie's, like Jack's holding her while uh, Katie steals her sunglasses and is just (laughs) laughing her head off about it. Yoink, Matt Murdock. (laughs) (laughs) Blind girl can't see because she's blind and I've got her sunglasses, which let everybody else know. How embarrassing. That's mean. I know. Well, that's Katie. Katie's a monster. (laughs) There was a reason that she was worried about being a monster. She is. You think she's a monster? Mm -hmm. I want you to turn to page 23 and check out this monster. As Alex says, you die, garbage. (laughs) Hey, that's uh, that's my number one. That's my my favorite joke. (laughs) Yeah, I call I call that one uh, the name's destroyer, trash destroyer. <laughs> so it's it's Alex. He's reaching down. He's touching a couple garbage bags and he's dis- disintegrating them. But he is crouched down and he has this look of pure anger, like these <laughs> like these trash can't these garbage bags made fun of his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. you killed my sister, and I swore revenge, trash bag. <laughs> I swore revenge. It's taken me many a year to track you down, but now you die. <laughs> Welcome back, John Connery. <laughs> so, this is some sort of comic book. You said you'd never come back on the show, Sean Connery. Never say never, <laughs> Sean. All right. Let's talk about our favorite ones. So I'm going to go to page 13. And this is in the middle of the page, and it's called The Eyes. And 
it's this close-up of Rebecca's eyes as she opens them and she sees the spire, the, the lit-up spire on top of the Empire State Building. But you see a close-up of her eyes and you see this, like, star in her eyes and you see the city kind of reflected in the irises it's a very striking yeah, shot it's pretty it's really good that it's, is a great one it's really detailed and it's probably I, it's re- really good art that's in here so i know that, that sal that sal's got some good art in here yeah he does what's yours my backup good one is on page six and i call it must be a bond parody <laughs> it's in the upper left hand corner and it's when uh, a tiny julie is inside the barrel of a dryer and it really kind of looks like uh you know the old intro bonds where he's <laughs> yeah it really kind of looks like uh, when he spins and shoots at the barrel of the gun that's aiming at him yeah, so I, I just thought that was funny because I'm like, nah, let's go Bond heavy today. <laughs> and there's a Katie on the outside of it too, just waving in. So, <laughs> All right, let's go to the front of the book, page two. And I call this one, Zring, because that's a noise, you know, Zring. <clears throat> it is a noise. And this is the first time we see Rebecca disappear or mm-hmm. teleport away using her power. And so you've got, uh, this is almost one of your pictures, because it's got yeah. the two-tone kind of color thing with mm-hmm. the three boys, one of them tossing the, the sunglasses aside. They're kind of in the shadow as this bright, bright star effect occurs as Rebecca teleports away. That looks hard to draw. Yeah, because it, it's a, it's twining circles that are jaggedy. It's got sparkles on it. It's got the sound effect in it. It's got light spikes coming out. It's... It looks like that would take some effort to to draw. Yeah, there's a lot that's in that one. Yeah, good job on, good job on the on the the penciler, the inker, and the colorer because mm-hmm. I think that that would not work without all three of those working together. No, it's true. All right, what's your top one? My top one is on page eleven, and I call it ten cent deposit. <laughs> it's the uh, top panel of this page, and it is uh, I call it ten cent deposit because it's showing the uh, a river, and it has a floating uh, soda can in it. So yeah, and you could re- return that and get ten cents for it on your deposit. But it's showing the Brooklyn Bridge, and it's showing New York, and it's showing the rain. And it, I just thought that was a really good looking uh, piece of art. It's a good, good, good cityscape picture. Yeah, really good cityscape. Yeah, I like it. Very good job. Very good job all around. I agree. You know, usually I expect you to do terrible stuff because, you know, Sometimes you just have really bad eyes and, and you smell bad. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Man. Those are mean, mean words. Those are mean, mean words. Why and, would you say those things? Well, because we're in the rubber and glue moment, my friend. Ah, <laughs> then it all makes sense. What was Doesn't the, mean it's not hurtful, but. Eh, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> what was the best or most childish insult in the book? Not here. <laughs> what do you got? My backup rubber and glue moment is on page nine and it comes from surprise surprise of all people alex and it's when they're uh, all racing to get to the phone and he's uh he sprints past everybody and he says i don't know what you dopes are getting so nuts about it's gonna be allison for me i just like you dopes you dopes <laughs> yeah dopes is a good one dopes mm-hmm. is a good one how about you what's your backup my backup one is on page 23 and amazingly shocker shocker this one comes from julie and it's up in the upper right-hand corner, and she says, Ha! We may call you counterweight, but you look like Mary Poppins. Alex is holding the umbrella, and he looks like Yondu. I yep. mean, Mary Poppins. Well, Mary Poppins, <laughs> y'all! Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> What's your top one, man? My top one is on page three, and it is, uh, again, from Alex. So we got some surprisers from Alex and Julie this time. And uh, it's when they're all doing chores, and Julie's kind of telling him, it's like, hey, you, you know, shouldn't you be 
taking out the garbage. You got a job to do. And Alex's response is, how can you talk seriously about this garbage when that garbage is on the news? Calling the news garbage. Who yep. does he think he is? Trump? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's just. I'm naming his head. No, no, no. But yeah, it's just. A, I just like the aspect where it's like this garbage. No, that's garbage. Yeah, they're because on the news they're talking about the mutants and mutant yeah, the mutant registration and stuff. act yeah. and how people are like mutants. More like not here. It's. <laughs> I, I don't know what they said. No, they're they're just being mean. Yeah, they're being meanies. But not as mean as the people on the set of the TV show. Oh. Because I'm gonna go up to page 19. And we have Fred. Mm-hmm. And we have Fred, and we also have this, uh, you know, talk Other show guy. host. Yeah. And Fred, one of the uh, the PAs on this thing, says, "Kid's a nutcase. Let's get her off the set." And the host says, "You're the nutcase, Fred." <laughs> <laughs> nutcase. Nutcase. Couple of nutcases. Mm-hmm. Speaking of nutcases, mm-hmm. <laughs> that no way segues to stars in detention. I think it does segue very nicely to Star Wars in detention. Because it just did. Just did. You saw that, listener, with your very own ears. What do you got? Uh, yeah, so I'm going to say that my detention kid is Jack. Uh, near the beginning when he's doing the chores, he's, you know, it's just like he's running for the phone. He's got all the laundry in. He's degrabbed. He slams into a bookshelf and knocks down a bunch of his dad's books. Later on, he's dinking around. You know, it's like middle of the night. And, you know, it's just like shining a flashlight out, shining, you know, shining the signal light into the neighbor's windows and stuff. So uh, that's why I'm just going to say that. Uh, I can kind of see it, but yeah. I, I, I kind of see Jack as just being Jack. Jack was just kind of being Jack, but he was about the worst one. My honest to uh, goodness, my worst kid that isn't a power pack member though or the three bullies at the beginning yeah fair because enough. they were total jerks but sure. otherwise i'm gonna say that my detention kid in this I, one I, is Jack. I think actually worse than that would be the uh the talk show. he was just trying to exploit children which are a renewable resource darn it <laughs> so good for him he's being ecological i am going to say alex which i know surprises ah. nobody but he was just there he didn't do anything the one thing he did he shot the foul the powerball out into the sky which he didn't think that one through that was a problem that was a big problem Mm -hmm. i'm going to shoot this fireball out and she's going to appear in the middle of the sky (laughs) that was a problem that was a little bit of an issue (laughs) so i have an issue with that okay so who was your best alex he did all sorts of stuff. He wasn't just there. He was uh, the one who kept on coming up with plans. He came up with a plan for the Powerball thing. He disintegrated garbage. He was being, uh, he figured out a really good, you know, yeah, he keeps on disintegrating trash. He's being really ecological. Uh, it's just, I felt that Alex was being really on top of the ball and really coming up with plans with everything. And he tried to kill somebody. He accidentally tried to kill somebody. So, uh, manslaughter. Accidental manslaughter. Which is manslaughter to- of, Accidental manslaughter of a child. Yeah. Nice. A, Real nice. a, a, a woman child nice. accidental manslaughter of a woman child yeah you're a gets, horrible person yeah a little bit but uh my honest to goodness otherwise a non-power pack uh star pupil would be the pa that called the police because he's like this is exploiting yeah. a child and this is horrible i'm calling the police and yeah. you're gonna save and her yeah that and also here's my resignation <laughs> they didn't show that part uh, yeah i'm sure he stayed on i'm gonna go with julie really okay she left to know for her parents yeah she, she just wasn't just saying it. She wasn't repeating the company line this time. She goes, you know what? We're going to do this. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not going to solve all the problems, but at least it's going to tell the parents, we're, we're, we've got superpowers. We're gone saving some people. I know this is a shock, but you know, you'll worry less, yeah. I hope. So I just think that she actually did 
she was proactive on something she wanted to do. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. I think all of them are good choices. Um, I agree, except for your Alex choice. He tried to kill somebody. I think everybody was a perfect choice that we made. Okay. Um, why don't you just shut the yapper and give me the G count? <laughs> G count is, once again, zero. And our G average is 0. 0.84, which is... 0.05 off of Uranus, which is the seventh planet from the sun, and we're locked into a G total of 31. We're going to drop this as soon as Louise Simonson leaves as the main writer of the book. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if there's going to be any more Gs coming up at all, so. honestly. But I'm kind of curious to see what the uh, G average drops down to, just for my own edification. All right. All right, so that's done. Top grades. Top grades. Number one is still Power Trip. Uh, halfway down the list... At about number 20, we've got Homecoming, which was uh, Power Pack number 5. That's where the kids arrive back on Earth to deal with their new powers. And then down at the very bottom of this list, on number 40, we got X-Factor Annual number 2 with the Inhumans. Yeah. So where are we feeling on this one? We've got a one-shot here. Kind of going up from the bottom, the next one-shot that we've got that's up above some of the other stuff is the Great Gugam Treasure Hunt. We, of course, also have The Breakfast Club, where they meet the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we got monsters, we got special effects. Uh, we're, I, I'm looking more at the bottom of the list here, because I don't think either of us were really no. that impressed with this story. No, I'm kind of looking around uh, special effects, which is where Sunspot and Warlock were in here, is where mm-hmm. I'm kind of thinking. I'm thinking that? uh, that's oh, okay. uh, 31. Okay. And then under that, we've got Monsters, which is where the kids are captives and they break out to save Dragon Man, mm-hmm. which I think that's, I think more happened in special effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think about, I, I, I do like the introduction of this character. I do like, yeah, I like it. I think I like this one uh, better than special effects. I think. Yeah, I think I do. I would go below special effects. Okay. Be- uh, let's split the difference and say that it's better than special. Uh, that Yeah, that special effects is better. Okay. All right. Because you can't split the same thing. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll put it underneath <laughs> I, special effects. I, I think that I, just because special effects still move something forward. Okay. All right. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm fine with this one being the new number 32. Sounds good to me. All righty-o. That uh, brings us to our beer. How are we thinking about this beer? The beer's fine. It's uh, fine. I don't think it's one that I'd go seeking out all that often. Blazing Bright by Pyramid. I like it. I did like it a lot. Um, I Just sitting here, I've been talking more than I've been drinking, so yeah. it's kind of gotten a little bit flatter for me. But the first half of this beer I really, really enjoyed. It's got a lot of flavor for the IPA. It's very juicy. I'm willing to say this is a good 3.5 for me. I did enjoy it a little bit. How okay. about you? Uh, for me, it's a 3. It's just, I will drink it. I won't, I, you know, it's not even begrudgingly. I'd happily drink this, but it's not what I'm going to go after yeah. uh, probably any other time uh, after this. But it would be like, yeah, I've had that. And that's, you know, it, it looks really nice. I like the fruit taste in there. I, okay. I do like the, the fruit, fruit taste. The fruit taste is kind of neat. Yeah. The aftertaste isn't awful. It's just not, yeah. there's nothing in here that really grabs me and says, yeah, this is a thing that I want. So it's, it's just, it's a, it's a kind of a, a flavor of a beer for me with some fruit. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's just, it's not singing. So, Blazing Bright, Pyramid, pretty good juicy IPA, 3.5 for me, 3 from Jeff. Yep. And so now, we're going to ask a question from the book to Carrie and a special guest. Hello, girls. Hello. Hi. Uh, first of all, we have a guest, right? Yes, my cousin Abby. Say hi, Abby. Hi. So, <laughs> we're on vacation, 
And I had an opportunity to have both of you girls read this comic so we can now talk about it and find out what you think about it, right? Yep. Yeah. Yes. She uh-huh. said yes. <laughs> first of all, Abby, this is the first time you've read a Power Pack comic, right? Right. And what did you think about it? I thought it was good. Yeah. What'd you like about it? I liked how, like, everyone has different powers. It's not like, like in Spider-Man comics, there's like one person. <laughs> I like how there's a lot of them working together. Nice. It's nice having the family team and they've all got the different powers and different strengths. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what'd you think about this comic? Carrie, what'd you think about just this one comic? I think it was pretty good, too. Um, I agree with Abby. It is really fun seeing how they use their powers and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, last issue, Katie didn't do a very good choice of her powers. Yeah. It, I mean, she saved people, but she didn't help herself. This time they were helping a new girl, right? Yep. What'd you guys think of Rebecca's powers? It would be scary if I had that. I think it would be more fun if she could control them. Yes. Definitely. And I think that's what she needs. She needs somebody to help teach her how to control it, right? Yeah. That's why she's wearing sunglasses all the time. Yes. Right. What would you girls do if all of a sudden you developed powers? Would you tell your parents right away? I would because I I don't like lying to you guys. (laughs) I mean, even if you guys got mad at me, then I wouldn't care as long as I didn't have to hold it in. Okay. Yeah, I think I would also tell my parents because, like, who else would I tell? I don't know any superheroes or anything that could help me train. Yeah. So I'd want someone to help me figure it out. Yeah. It, it would work out if your parents actually had powers like you. Yeah. <laughs> that means we need to get superpowers too, right? And so do we if we ever need it. Yep. What'd you guys think about the cover? Dramatic. Yeah, it's <laughs> nice. <laughs> Rebecca's just like... I'm gonna fall Bog. off this. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna fall off this roof and and just close my eyes and yeah, act like I'm so dead. I don't accidentally teleport. That's true. That's why she's got her eyes closed so she doesn't teleport. Also, looks like she's playing dead. Yeah, it kind of looks like she's fainted a little bit. And the parents on the roof look kind of like the Power Pack's parents, but yeah, we we actually it's a bridge. And Jeff and I were talking about it. It's not her parents that we see at the end of the book. But you're right, it does look a little bit like the Power Pack's parents. Was there one scene that you guys really, really liked in the book? I kind of like it when um, when Julie's inside the, the dryer and Katie's just saying these magic words to get the red sock back. That is a funny part. What about for you, Abby? I agree with Carrie, and I also like how Alex gets rid of the trash by using his powers. Very environmental, right? Yeah. That's for the late 80s when this comic came out. So that was kind of ahead of its time a little bit. That's all the questions I have for you. Anything else you want to say? I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) We're just staring at each other like... Well, thank you both very much. Especially thank you, Abby, for being our first uh, guest on this segment of our show. So thank you. You're welcome. And I love you, Carrie. I love you, Daddy. Well, and I love you too, Abby. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, ya people. We like hearing ya. We like hearing you're talking at us. We like you writing the things and doing the like on the Twitter and the Facebook and all that stuff. If you do that, we will respond back and give you a shout out on our show. This is talking about our epic, epic episode number 45 with Hub from Tighten Up the Defense, where we talked about Power Pack 34, the one with Madcap. AJ. Cindy Heineken. 
Charlie Rose, who has been waiting for this team up since we had Miles on. Chris Reeves. Kodiak723. Comic Archivist. Cullen Stapleton and the worst comic podcast ever. David Adler. Fozzie. Green Lantern HG. Our guest hub from Tighten Up the Defense. Hi, Hub. Jeff Polier. Jeremy Wiggins. Keith Baker. Let's Talk New Warriors. Limax 7. OK Boomel, who was very excited about our guest. Mark Grant. NZ Waffles, who thought it was a great episode and who hopes, like we do, that we will collect all the comic hosts. Dr. Osvaldo Oila, who states that one day he's going to record a slow jam version of the Tighten Up the Defense Minutia song. Dang, that would be sick. Sailor Bear Zodar. Sandra Clark. Sean and the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. Scott Sutton Johnson. The Unbelievable Podcrasher, Tim Price. Dan Grote and Matt Lazowitz from WMQA Podcast. Great news, there was an announcement that a five-issue Power Pack miniseries is coming out in April. This will be coming out of the new Marvel event, Outlawed, which is about authorities cracking down on underage superheroes. It will be written by Ryan North, previously of Squirrel Girl fame, and drawn by Nico Leon, who has worked on Spider-Man, Hulk, Fantastic Four, and Agents of Atlas. Of course, we will be collecting it, and of course, we will review it on the back end of the show. And we will try our best to see if the creators would like to come on our show and talk about it. Be sure to check out our junior agent submissions on the MI6 Rookie Agents episode of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. We are on YouTube. You can find our channel at Jeff and Rick Present. Jeff and Rick Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a couple of beers in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word, at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present.wordpress.com. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick present, all one word. We are a supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to www.hereinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. Please really do. It actually does help. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you. Until next time. Costumes, costumes off. off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Into It. All music is by Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. <coughs> I added that in because I thought it was quite topical. Yeah, 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 yeah. Zring! Every team, every team I see a picture like this. Every team priest I see. Zring! Never liked that show. <clears throat> you say you never liked that show. Yeah, no. never, li <clears throat> never liked... <laughs> Never liked that show. Zring! Interviewing the poor girl. Calling her... <laughs> I was trying to hold that, too. Sorry. Jesus. <laughs> Zring! Pop quiz, Rick. Can you name them? Yes. Uh, 
I don't know, uh, sleepy, uh, sneezy, uh, bashful. No, that'd be. I also would have accepted who's on first, what's on second. (laughs) Dring! What starts out as a fear that the cops are there to arrest her parents' son. No. No. Dring! It had a surprise pop quiz in the middle of it. I wasn't expecting that on my reread. Yeah, well, nobody is. Nobody's expecting the Spanish Inquisition. Nobody's expecting the, <laughs> the pop quiz. Dring! My detention child is going to be Jack. Okay, why? I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> Dring! Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. <laughs> Try it again. <laughs> Try it again. Eat, see, I'll eat, <laughs> 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 